Chapter Twenty Eight of Characters of Shakespeare's Plays by William Hazlitt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Much ado about nothing. This admirable comedy used to be frequently acted till of late years. Mr. Garrick's Benedict was one of his most celebrated characters, and Mrs. Jordan, we have understood, played Beatrice very delightfully. The serious part is still the most prominent here, as in other instances that we have noticed. Hero is the principal figure in the piece, and leaves an indelible impression on the mind, by her beauty, her tenderness, and the hard trial of her love. The passage in which Claudio first makes a confession of his affection towards her conveys as pleasing an image of the entrance of love into a youthful bosom as can well be imagined. Oh, my lord, when you went onward with this ended action, I looked upon her with a soldier's eye that liked but had a rougher task in hand than to drive liking in the name of love. But now I am returned and that war thoughts have left their places vacant in their rooms come thronging soft and delicate desires all prompting me how fair young hero is saying i liked her ere i went to wars in the scene at the altar when claudio urged on by the villain don john brings the charge of incontinence against her and as it were divorces her in the very marriage ceremony her appeals to her own conscious innocence and honour are made with the most affecting simplicity. Claudio, no, Leonato, I never tempted her with word too large, but as a brother to his sister showed bashful sincerity and comely love. Hero, and seemed I ever otherwise to you? Claudio, out on thy seeming, I will write against it. You seem to me as Diane in her orb, as chaste as the bud ere it is blown. But you are more intemperate in your blood than Valus, or those pampered animals that rage in savage sensuality. Hero, is my lord well, that he doth speak so wide? Leonato, are these things spoken, or do I but dream? John, sir, they are spoken, and these things are true. Benedict, this looks not like a nuptial. Hero, true, oh God. The justification of Hero in the end, and her restoration to the confidence and arms of her lover, is brought about by one of those temporary consignments to the grave of which shakespeare seems to have been fond he has perhaps explained the theory of this predilection in the following lines friar she dying as it must be so maintained upon the instant that she was accused shall be lamented pitied and excused of every hearer for it so falls out that what we have we prize not to the worth while we enjoy it but being lax and lost why then we rack the value then we find the virtue that possession would not show us whilst it was ours so it will fare with claudio when he shall hear she died upon his words the idea of her love shall sweetly creep into his study of imagination and every lovely organ of her life shall come apparelled in more precious habit more moving delicate and full of life into the eye and prospect of his soul than when she lived indeed the principal comic characters in much ado about nothing benedick and beatrice are both essences in their kind his character as a woman-hater is admirably supported and his conversion to matrimony no less happily affected by the pretended story of beatrice's love for him 
it is hard to say which of the two scenes is the best that of the trick which is thus practised on benedick or that in which beatrice is prevailed on to take pity on him by overhearing her cousin and her maid declare which they do on purpose that he is dying of love for her there is something delightfully picturesque in the manner in which beatrice is described as coming to hear the plot which is contrived against herself for look where beatrice like a lapwing runs close by the ground to hear our conference in consequence of what she hears not a word of which is true she exclaims when these good-natured informants are gone what fire is in mine ears can this be true stand i condemned for pride and scorn so much contempt farewell and maiden pride adieu no glory lives behind the back of such and benedick love on i will requite thee taming my wild heart to thy loving hand if thou dost love my kindness shall incite thee to bind our loves up in an holy band for others say thou dost deserve and i believe it better than reportingly and benedick on his part is equally sincere in his repentance with equal reason after he has heard the grey-beard leonato and his friend monsieur love discourse of the desperate state of his supposed inamorata this can be no trick the conference was sadly born they have the truth of this from hero they seem to pity the lady it seems her affections have the full bent love me why it must be requited i hear how i am censured they say i will bear myself proudly if i perceive the love come from her they say too that she will rather die than give any sign of affection i never did think to marry i must not seem proud happy are they that hear their detractions and can put them to mending they say the lady is fair tis a truth i can bear them witness and virtuous tis so i cannot reprove it and wise but for loving me by my troth it is no addition to her wit nor no great argument of her folly for i will be horribly in love with her i may chance to have some odd quirks and remnants of wit broken on me because i have railed so long against marriage but doth not the appetite alter a man loves the meat in his youth that he cannot endure in his age shall quips and sentences and these paper bullets of the brain awe a man from the career of his humour no the world must be peopled when i said i would die a bachelor i did not think i should live till i were married here comes beatrice by this day she's a fair lady i do spy some marks of love in her the beauty of all this arises from the characters of the persons so entrapped benedick is a professed and staunch enemy to marriage and gives very plausible reasons for the faith that is in him and as to beatrice she persecutes him all day with her jests so that he could hardly think of being troubled with them at night she not only turns him but all other things into jest and is proof against everything serious hero disdain and scorn ride sparkling in her eyes misprising what they look on and her wit values itself so highly that to her all matter else seems weak she cannot love nor take no shape nor project of affection she is so self-endeared ursula sure i think so and therefore certainly it were not good she knew his love lest she make sport at it hero why you speak truth 
i never yet saw man how wise how noble young how rarely featured but she would spell him backward if fair-faced she'd swear the gentleman should be her sister if black why nature drawing of an antic made a foul blot if tall a lance ill-headed if low an agate very vilely cut if speaking why a vein blown with all winds if silent why a block moved with none so turns she every man the wrong side out and never gives to truth and virtue that which simpleness and merit purchaseth these were happy materials for shakespeare to work on and he has made a happy use of them perhaps that middle point of comedy was never more nicely hit in which the ludicrous blends with the tender and our follies turning round against themselves in support of our affections retain nothing but their humanity dogberry and Virgis in this play are inimitable specimens of quaint blundering and misprisions of meaning and are a standing record of that formal gravity of pretension and total want of common understanding which shakespeare no doubt copied from real life and which in the course of two hundred years appear to have ascended from the lowest to the highest offices in the state end of much ado about nothing